The following program contains views that are not those of WVTC, iNetworks Communications, their subsidiaries, affiliates or financial supporters. Welcome to the Declaring War segment by the RSVP Show, where we get to the root of things and apply the Word of God to every aspect of our lives. Worship, application, and read is how we declare war upon the enemy and bring the light of God and His love for us into every atmosphere. Join your host, author, and singer-songwriter, April D. Metzler, as she and a few special guests dive deep into Scripture and demonstrate the Bible in action through their testimony. April is passionate about understanding the heart behind every subject and helping you pursue a relationship with God for a victorious life every day. Are you ready for real, candid, and vulnerable conversations about God, His Word, and His love for you? Grab your Bible, pen, and study pad, and let's visit. Hey, Hello, 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 and welcome to another broadcast of the RSVP Show. I'm your host, April D. Metzler, and I'm here to bring you some Word of God and diving into this and different types of reflections and thoughts and considerations and all that jazz that we do when we read God's Word. And so we are in John chapter 7 today for this week, and we have already covered, we broke down uh, last couple weeks, we had to break down John chapter 6 because it was a little bit extended, so if you haven't caught those two videos, go ahead and catch the replay on there. If you haven't shared, go ahead and share this out. If you would like to hit the hashtag replay in the comments, I'll come circle back around and visit with you about your thoughts on this broadcast if you're not catching this on the actual first live that it goes live on. And then, of course, if you want to jump over to YouTube, you can subscribe to my channel. That would be awesome. I'd appreciate it very much. And then um, I think that's it. As far as all of this is concerned, we're going to dive right into this Word of God for John chapter 7. Um, before we do that, we're going to, of course, um, what is it? What do we do? We pray and invite Holy Spirit in to bless this reading and give us that spiritual wisdom and revelation to the knowledge of God that is set before us. And I appreciate you guys being here once again. My name is April Metzler, and I am the host of the RSVP show here on the WVTC radio edition of Declaring War, which is a segment geared toward walking out our worship with the Lord. We're going to be reading the scriptures and we're going to hopefully be finding ways to apply it as well as we read. So thank you so much. And if you'll join me in prayer, we'll get started. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be before your word together as we are coming together as one to look into what it means to be your child even more, Father. We thank you for accepting us just as we are um, with all the bumps and bruises and scrapes and all of that jazz. We thank you that you sent your son even before we knew you or knew of you, God, to to come and and make that sacrifice for us. And whereas we should have already received that penalty, already received your wrath for the things that we have done. And, and Father, we just thank you for the grace and mercy that that gives us, that gift that you sent gives us. We thank you for your yes to put down your life for ours 
and sacrifice that that type of love is just not heard of in the the way that you did it and it it's just beautiful that you love us that much father and we thank you for that we take time today to thank you for that and we ask that you you bring us even closer to you draw us even closer to you father in all of our ways teach us what it looks like to be a child of you teach us what it looks like to walk with you through every type of circumstance that we have father um, we just love the fact that that there is this time investment right now that you have given us and we thank you and appreciate that as well we give you all the honor and glory in all of the things that we have in this life and we we hope to foster a grateful heart in the coming days so show us what it looks like to be even more grateful than we are right now, even more content in what we are doing than we are right now, Father. And we we thank you that you have given us Holy Spirit to be our counselor and our guide and our teacher in all of these matters. So we ask him to come into this, this broadcast and pour into us even further wisdom and knowledge and revelation of what is in these scriptures that come to our season right now before us that are going to equip us, that, that are going to build us up, that are going to edify us and encourage us in what we are doing. And um, Father, if there's anything that we are doing that isn't of you, we just ask that you remove it out of our lives and, and bring it to light so that we can we can lean into you for that removal and that renewal and, and restoral in fullness back to you, Father. We repent of those things and we give them to you. And we don't want them anymore. And we thank you that you have have made a way to do that through Jesus Christ. And we ask all of these things in his name. And thank you for doing them as well, Father, because they are according to your will. These things are of you. And we ask that, boldly ask that they be done unto us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. So chapter seven starts out with bunch of nonsense is what it is. It's family drama, Christ Jesus edition is what it is. So um, verse one says, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So not only is there drama at home in the family dynamic, but he's being sought out so that they can kill him. That's just not, not a good day right now. So it says, Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. Isn't this crazy? Like, he is getting hatred, so, so much hatred 
so much um, craziness from the world's response to him even being there that uh, that they're trying to destroy him. They want to kill him. They want to do away with all of this. Like that's that's crazy hate right there. They're plotting to kill him. They've got um, you know uh, basically it, it's the beginning of you know the plot against him to get him to the crucifixion. And so we're we're seeing the heat turned up here and. Um, and we're also dealing with, uh, you know, a lot of the the other stuff here is the the family drama. I just I don't even know what to say about all of this. Like, you've got um, back in in Matthew, it lists uh, Jesus's brothers as James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, and um, it, it's all all good and well. Of course, that's with you know through you know, the whole Mary side of the family there, right? And that's his, you know, human side, his man side, because that Jesus is the son of man and the son of God. So he's, he fulfills both sides of the, um, the puzzle that needed to be fulfilled in the prophecies. So um, it, it's pretty crazy though, because his brothers had to have known that this hatred was building around and, and everybody um, was either one way or the other. They either believed him or they hated him. And yet they're calling for him to come out in the public and do these miracles. And it's just, man. So your, your brothers, maybe they did want to, we don't know like the motivation behind it. Maybe they did want to see something for themselves. You know, like if you supposedly can do this, then do it you know, um, but calling him out, I guess, you know, and, and not believing him, but that's the key, you know, they didn't believe him. And so what good is it going to do for him to go up and do these miracles when they still wouldn't believe, like even the people that, that were, um, you know, seeing miracles already on the road, some of them believed and some of them didn't. So there's, I don't know what the motivation was, but that's just drama, man. Like, come on. You don't, it's me. Belief, you know, like, I don't know. In my lifetime, when have I lied is what I would be saying if I was him. But like, it, it's not, he doesn't have to um, defend himself, you know, and, and throughout the whole crucifixion, he doesn't even defend himself in that manner. It's not like he's arguing about anything. He just simply states that he's Jesus you know, the son of God and, and it, that it, that's, it is what it is. There was no arguing about it. And so, um, verse 10, we'll move on. And it says, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So, uh, the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. And some were saying, he is a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. So everybody's backbiting and, and arguing and, and back and forth and no one can really figure it out. And and that's, you know, faith is, is really a big deal to this. You know, that's really common to our our day-to-day -day interactions sometimes, isn't it? You've got people that don't believe and you got people that believe. And they'll some people will see a miracle right in front of their eyes and they still won't believe. And then some people 
don't see miracles and they believe more than anybody, you know? And so it's, it's just, um, every in, it's just a great example of every individual's, um, opportunity to decide on whether or not they would like, you know, like a relationship with God and what that looks like to be reconciled back to him through Jesus Christ. And it's just the accepting and receiving and decision-making, um, part of it. And we each have the opportunity to do that. And, um, and this is a great example of that where everybody's just everywhere as far as on that spectrum is concerned on making up their mind one way or the other. So then it goes in 14, it says, but when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were astonished saying, how has this man become learned having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me, referring to the Father God. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching. The person will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there's no unrighteousness in him. So there's a lot of he references. Again, I encourage you guys, as we've done on a previous broadcast for this, um, this book of John, there's a lot of he references and some of them are he being Jesus. Some of them are he being God and some of them are he being mankind. And so um, make sure that you're following that. And if you have to reread it over and get that understanding of what is being said in this moment. And so, you know, it's talking about um, in 18, the he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory is all lowercase h's and they're all talking about just a man in general uh, or person in general but then it shifts and says but he being jesus now he's talking about himself who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him god who sent jesus he is true jesus is true and there is no unrighteousness in him being Jesus. So he's referring to himself as the he in that whole thing. And so the one, of course, is God. But um, break that down. Take that time to do that and understand that, you know, that's that's what it is. So but it goes back to what he's saying here, though, is it's not, you know, it's not his teaching, it's God's. And if you're willing, it goes back to your belief decision. Like if you're willing to do, you know, God's will, then you'll know his teaching. So it's, it's one of those things where God will tell you, you know, in through Holy Spirit, through our connection back to him, through Jesus Christ, through being a child of God, you will gain that understanding as you seek after him. And it's, it's that seeking part that we really want to emphasize here. And so, 19 and I love how Jesus is pointing everyone in this situation back to God the Father and giving him the glory. And so 19 said, "Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me?" The crowd answered, "You have a demon. Who seeks to kill you?" Jesus answered them, "I did one deed and you all marvel." 
For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers, meaning the generational fathers before them. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken... Are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Man, that's like calling it out, right? He's literally saying, what, what is better? You know, like, is it this tradition that we've set in place or is it that which, you know, uh, is needed by the people, you know, healing was needed in, in that example by someone. And would we just stand there and be onlookers to watch that man continue to suffer? What's better, you know? Um, but then he goes and says, but you guys do stuff on Sabbath too. And you're, you're literally doing so and it's contrary to your law to not do stuff on Sabbath. But then your law also says that, that you must do this circumcision. And yet it's on the Sabbath, yet you're not supposed to do something on the Sabbath. This is a vicious circle. Like he's basically pointing out the, the inadequacy of the law itself. And, and that when it's all said and done, they're breaking the law. So Ultimately, in this instance, for them to judge him for doing the same thing they're doing would also put them in the bucket of hypocrisy, although he didn't say that specifically. I do know later on in conversations um, back and forth, he does call them hypocrites and a brood of vipers and all this other stuff. Um, but it's not name calling. It's character character highlighting, if you will. Um, it's not, not like he's doing it out of, out of meanness. It's literally just calling, calling it as it is in this instance. And, but he's sitting here saying not to look at the outside of the circumstances and the appearance of what it looks like, but also to consider what the righteous judgment in that, that decision would be. And so he's putting it back on them to seek out the righteousness of God in the matter. And I think it's great. I mean, it's it's a challenge back to the people that are accusing um, to really look inside themselves and what they're choosing to do first before they jump to the gun and judge others on the outside. And I don't know if anybody listened to him, but that was the challenge to look inward first and see what it is that you're already practicing before you jump down someone else's throat and potentially seek to kill him because he's doing the same thing you did. So does that not mean that you should be killed too? Like, come on now, let's be, let's be fair and realistic about it. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? <laughs> so we're on verse 25 and it says, so some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? 
look, he is speaking publicly and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from, but whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid his hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Isn't that interesting? So all of these people were like, they didn't know what to say about the fact that the leaders, obviously, uh, the rulers, weren't doing anything about this. So it confused the crowds and it made them question whether or not he really was the Christ because no one was doing anything about it. And then um, then Jesus himself sits there and says, yeah, I get it. You know, you know me. You know, it's it's like he is he was known as far as, you know, being born and raised and all that jazz. Like they knew him that way. But this was more of a, this was more of a, of a, if you're my enemy, you never knew me type of thing. And it's, it's one of those addressing your, your accusers, I guess, of, of never really knowing you and knowing in is used in the reference of like that intimate, like knowledge of someone, you know, it would be someone as close to you, like a, like a brother, you just know them inside and out. You probably can finish their sentences in some instances, you know, and, and they're just, you're, you're just there in that, that community type of relationship with someone and, and they're there for you. And it, it's just a deeper awareness and a personal experience type of knowing. I encourage you to do that search. It's one of my favorites. Like when you delve into the original text um, throughout both Old and New Testament, what it means to know. And um, and it's, it's really cool. So I encourage you to do that. Make a note on your paper for that one. Um, when you have time to do that. But at this point, here we are um, on 31. And it and all the way up to 30, they couldn't do nothing because his hour hadn't come. So nothing they tried worked. And so here we are, 31. It says, but many of the crowd, many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, when the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? So the other side of the, the group believed in him. And so here we go again. You know, we each have that that option to choose to believe or not to believe, to do or not to do what glorifies and honors God. You know, every single day we have a choice to follow up on the original decision of what we we entered into relationship in, um, like in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we chose that we were going to read the scripture right now. You know, this is this is a decision or a choice that that reflects our original decision to follow God. And um, and that is something that honors God. And and 
these these guys are like, we've heard of all these miracles. We've heard of all these signs and we're choosing to believe, you know? And so hopefully they make that a concrete decision and it's not just a temporary choice in the moment just to argue with people, but it's actually like a legit, this is a life-changing decision from here on out, you know? Um, 32 says the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. So here the rulers are stepping in and it says, therefore, Jesus said for a little while longer, I am with you. Then I go to him, meaning God who sent me, you will seek me and will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Here we go. The Jews are confused again says, the Jews then said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said, quote unquote, you will seek me and will not find me and where I am, you cannot come. And so here we're going to dive into the living water. This is where Christ reveals the living water. And then there's division and, and nonsense going on. But 37 says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he's he's speaking to them in, you know, if you believe, then this will come. And so it's a, a future reference, but it's not too far away, actually. So um, in 40, here's where, here's where this happens. He says these words, right? And so some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. And others were saying... This is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So, and we're in 43. So a division occurred in the crowd because of him, meaning Jesus. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. 45. And here we're going to go about this is again people just cannot figure this out there's a lot of back and forth and confusion and stuff going on and 45 says the officers then came to the chief priests and pharisees and they said to them why did you not bring him the offers officers answered never has a man spoken the way this man speaks the pharisees then answered them you have not also been led astray have you no one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd which does not know the law is accursed. Now we fast uh, fast forward or rewind, I guess, back to the Nicodemus thing. And verse 50 says, Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing does it? They answered him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? 
Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home. Okay, so basically, just as a as a quick wrap up here, and I will let you guys go. Just there, there's just so much to say about this particular chapter, about this back and forth, and um, people, you know, being swayed easily by appearances, being swayed by circumstances, and what others say. And so I definitely encourage you to figure out what your relationship with God looks like for you one-on-one, not what your preacher told you, not what, you know, or pastor or, or whatever you call the leader of your church, depending on the denomination. Everybody's got a different reference. But um, no matter what anyone else tells you to believe Figure it out for yourself, not what your parents said, not what your siblings said, not what your uncles or aunts or grandparents or friends or co-workers or leaders in the church or community members or neighbors or whatever. But what do you believe? And if you don't know God in the capacity that others do, and you're sort of intimidated by that, don't be. We all learn at our own pace, and we all figure this walk out at our own pace. And so that's an added encouragement. But as you are learning, be gentle with yourself. It doesn't happen overnight. Don't let this big old giant thick Bible intimidate you. Take it down in bite sizes like we're doing right now, and consider these things in in prayer or not... Not like the step one through 20 prayer, you know, but communicating with God, talking to him, saying, okay, God, I'm here. I'm listening. It's really that easy. Um, I have no idea what this particular verse means, but I'm ready to listen. And, you know, Uh, You can write down thoughts about what you think it means and then ask God, is this right or is this no, no. But, you know, Holy Spirit, we, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And then we have Holy Spirit that is given to us who uh, abides in, in us and dwells with us always is what scripture says. And so he's there available to lean into any time and it's just part of you know god teaching us and counseling us and giving us that guidance through our days and so we we don't again lean on to our own understanding but we have that that helper is what he's called as well um, to help us through the learning process of getting to know god and figuring out what it looks like to actually build and invest in and have a relationship with our heavenly father, God, which is completely different than any type of relationship we will find here on this earth. There's dimly lit mirrors, if you will, um, replicas, uh, versions of that are not, they're just subpar of what God's love looks like. Even, you know, as we demonstrate his love, it's still nothing like his actual love. It's um, in comparison, if you will. Like, imagine what you do on like 
overflow 24 7 never letting up like every single second of every single day of every single moment of air you breathe love you know that's god's love for you and um and that whole whole understanding doesn't come overnight so just be gentle with yourself and and just take that time as you have time as god provides time we're not ruled by time we're you know obeying god and submitting to god and god god rules time he can sit there in five minutes and deposit knowledge and wisdom that and understanding of his word that you didn't have five minutes ago and it's just a download um and i just i just uh want to challenge you not to think temporally not to think in your own understanding in your worldly experience in the upcoming weeks ahead as you lean into god but be open and receptive to a different way of learning to a different way of understanding things to a different perspective than what this world has taught you through life experiences. And I know that God will meet you where you're at if you're seeking after him and wanting to learn that he's going to teach you. It's not, he doesn't withhold. It's man, there's so much to this. I could be on a, on a stage somewhere talking and teaching and preaching about this, but I just want to encourage you to get closer to God this week. All right, you guys, and we will be back again next week with another RSVP show episode of the Declaring War segment right here at WVTC Radio. Remember, God loves you, and you are not alone. All right, you guys, talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this visit of the Declaring War segment by the RSVP show. We hope these moments of reflection and stillness for victory in your pursuit of God were a blessing to you. We encourage you to continue to worship, apply, and read the Word of God every single day while today is still today. Stay connected with April at April D. Metzler through social media. New music singles and her debut music album are available to add to your favorite playlist on streaming platforms. And you can get a copy of her book wherever books are sold. Learn more about the great things she is doing to bless God and His people on her website at AprilDMetzler.com. Thank you for joining this visit with us. Always remember, God loves you.